Welcome back to the fifth episode of Something in the Crumb. This is Lin Song Kim and Kim Wen. We're so excited to have you. We have been sort of looking at just the various users and where you live and where you are. And we're wondering why you haven't emailed us. <laughs> <laughs> But then we also feel okay because we don't want to assign any social homework exactly. to our listeners, exactly. especially during this time. <laughs> but we but are, thank you for listening. Thank you so much for listening. And, you know, the thing is, is that I actually haven't been able to upload the previous Crash Landing episode, but I will this week. So it'll come as, like... The, the episodes will essentially come out back to back and we're so excited about this because we have a clear theme for the second installment of Crash Landing on You and we're literally recording it on April 12th of 2020, which happens to be Easter Sunday, supposedly, supposedly the Vatican canceled service. So, you know, just saying. Just saying. Easter's a bit of a rumor. So. Yes, it's a rumor. It's always been a rumor and a conspiracy. But, you know. <laughs> but the main theme that we want to go through today is something that we left off with in our previous episode where we discussed just how bizarrely Christian and bizarre by like explicitly like narratively Christian the show slowly and then ex- becomes maybe or like I don't know how would you describe it Kim yeah I mean I definitely feel as though when I first watched it I didn't like pick up on this right away but I think upon reflection you're like oh there's a lot of these um kind of Christian tidbits that sort of exist within the series and I mean there is as I mean we've talked many times about how chaste the K-drama generally is. Absolutely. But in this particular series as well, you know, we get a kiss. There's, I think, maybe some hand-holding, but, like, late. Like, we're talking, like, episode 15 or something. Right. You know, episode 14. It's late. And there's not really much else that's going on. It's very, it's very just, like, maybe you're friends. I don't know. It's very intense. Um, But I think one of the key points, of course, is like when we're following our main character and, you know, it's somewhere in between like um, a Christmas carol and just like any kind of traditional Christian story where she's kind of, she's kind of like not a great person, right? Like she runs this business. It's very successful, but she's very cold. She hates her family because her family's trash, of course. But she doesn't, like, keep in touch with them because she's, like, kind of hardened by them. And her employees are all afraid of her. And so you can tell she's, like, not really a good boss either. There Um, are no good bosses, by the way. There are no good bosses, though. I mean, Abolish capitalism, but, you know. 100%. Um, And so she then, you know, whatever. She's not great. Like, gets blown over the DMZ and goes to North Korea and effectively, you know, becomes 
what one could say is a more benevolent, a nicer person, all of these things, charitable, whatever. But people in South Korea think almost everyone just assumes that she is dead at a certain point. And so they effectively go through the motions. I don't know how much time it is that they like wait before they, you know, try to like sell off her stocks and they take over her business and like, it's like a whole thing. And that is also like, she talks about that a lot as a kind of like basically erasure of her existence. Mm-hmm. Now is like the removal of her like investment in her company. Mm-hmm. Um, never mind like her as a person. Like people are kind of concerned that she's gone. But then of course her brother, one of her brothers, both are kind of um, one's a ding dong and the other one's just like you know a murderer. Yeah. And and then the murderer is like finds out that she's there and like wants to keep her there but everyone else basically thinks that she's dead and then she like literally goes to north korea it's like she dies is reborn and then comes back into south korea so then we're in the second half of the series she's like and she just like emerges what is at like it's not her funeral but they kind of have some sort of like her workplace has some sort of like memorial thing up for her and there's like this like all these flowers and like people were leaving these notes because they were like she's dead and then she just like emerges like as if she rises but she also like her first appearance is i mean her first thing that she does is she interrupts like a shareholders meeting yes to vote on something and i think like i love what you're pointing out that her her resurrection right is literally both like everyone thought she was dead so it's literal but also she's a she's there's a transformation like she does not come back the same yes yeah she comes back as you know someone who's spent a lot of time eating potatoes so (laughs) she like really (laughs) so she, she appreciates food um she suddenly becomes someone that's like more considerate of her employees I guess um whatever that looks like she still employs them so I don't know (laughs) and like I think like the examples of like the previous to current or you know before before this and post-resurrection was that before she didn't believe anyone should have any any time off ever no vacation no holidays everyone worked through all of the major holidays because why wouldn't you and now she just at least thinks that that people should just leave at a decent hour which doesn't really sound like benevolence to be honest and this is what That's and like I it's just like base capitalism exactly you know? <laughs> exactly as in what we're trying to say is this story is hella fucking christian but also <laughs> she does not come back like a socialist, Marxist, feminist, anarchist. Like she just comes back as just like, I guess you can have some time off. Yeah. Well, and I guess we can ask which is more evil? Mm. Which is more evil? Like, Mm. is it the person that like is so explicitly like, we know what you're in it for. We know what this is about. We understand a hundred percent where we stand with each other. Or is it worse that she's like, I eat Subway with you sometimes. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, are we friends? Which I think is actually one of the most deceptive 
elements of like this kind of hierarchical oh. capital, you know, sort of system, right? Is that you humanize it to a point in which people, it's like so insidious and that people don't see the exploitation. But that is actually really so beautifully put, which is more evil because I do think that this drama, I mean, sometimes I feel like K-dramas are just like, let's empathize with the wealthy. Like, well, let's empathize with our oppressors. Like, let's figure out all the things that they're feeling. And then we'll like throw in some kind of like proletariat in the mix so that you don't just think it's about rich people. But this is this was very clearly a show just about rich people. Like, oh, yeah. as in, or, or the rich and the powerful. I mean, but like very clearly... You know, even the North Korean soldier came from, like, the highest-ranking family and, like, studied abroad in Switzerland and, and learned to play the piano. And the surroundings, were, they made it clear that he was affluent, as mm-hmm. affluent as, as in a kind of translatable sense. And she's only affluent, right? Like, that's all that she knows. And so, but we sympathize with the both of them throughout because we meet them in North Korea and learn about her like internal struggle. And then to then have her appear as not just like an explicitly evil capitalist, but just like, a, you know, like the kind of reformist gesture that I think Kim, you're pointing to that a lot of organizations and institutions try to take up as mm-hmm. a way to say that these institutions can be reformed is Something that I think that this is this is actually following through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, do yeah. you care if like how, how much does it matter if your boss comes and eats lunch with you? Like, how much do you care if you get a smile? Like, basically, yeah. how much does it matter if some gesture of affective labor is extended to you? Mm-hmm. Perhaps only because the worker is asked to perform endless affective labor. So in the very least, yeah. Well, and that the impact of this is also measured on the fact that it was like so abusive before. Exactly. That you are appreciative of that labor somehow. <gasps> right? And you're like, like, it's like that's also another layer of how twisted that is, right? Wow. It's like, you know, like the one, the one dude that works for her has like physical reactions, you know, when he hears her like voice recording or something, he's like, he's like that's for sure her. Like, look at my arms. There's a rash. <laughs> you know, and you're just like, Oh my God. And so you're like, it's so bad. It's like already so bad. And then when she comes back and she's nice to you and it's like, like we're talking like bare minimum nice to you. I'm not even hundred percent willing to say that she treats you like a human being. Because it's still not the kind of, like, our definition of what we think human being actually is. But, I mean, her place doesn't turn into a co-op. That's what you're saying. Yes. No. <laughs> she doesn't. Jeff, yeah. no, none of those workers suddenly became, like, like, equal partners, investors. They have no, like... They still just work for her. Exactly. I don't even think that any of them got promotions. <laughs> no, but what you're pointing out is that because through her resurrection, we were supposed to believe that she becomes a more gentle oppressor, a right. more gentle leader yes. slash ruler slash exploiter slash oppressor. Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, the gentle oppressor 
sits there and eats chicken with you and you're like <laughs> equally demoralized because you're like now you're taking my lunch time <laughs> but also like why is this what we're eating like why this also true also true they only eat at in south korea like the majority of the time they're, they're not at subway they're at like olive barbecue chicken or whatever, <laughs> like, eating fried chicken and like that's it like they just like drink beer and then like a giant plate of fried chicken just yeah. like appears so it's like you know however i feel like there's also something there too like about um traditionalism and the kind of crudeness of capitalism you know where it's like in North Korea, it's like they're eating simple things for sure, but there's a lot of like scenes of them eating these elaborate meals with all the side dishes and like, you know, it's very wholesome and everyone's like, oh my God, I'm like, did you make this? And like all these women are like cooking together and making the kimchi and all this stuff. And then they're in South Korea and it's just like fried chicken <laughs> and Subway. And, you know, like there's like, there, I think there's like another thing going on there too about like, yeah, these kinds of capitalistic countries right. and sort of like mass production about like commercial endeavors, like you know. no, yeah. I mean, there is n- there Subway could not have product placement in North Korea. I mean, that's like, <laughs> it's like they were just waiting for like the episode in which it switches over to South Korea for there to be like product placement. But I really uh-huh. love this because the show is so i mean if we're just comparing something in the rain which she started to hear the kind of purity narrative of mm-hmm. no one ta- no one really touches each other no one really i mean the the characters in something in the rain were pretty clearly just middle class ish like yeah. somewhere in the bracket of middle class and this yeah. show is like a thousand percent only rich people we i don't even remember anybody who's not like absurdly rich actually starring in the show like the guy the secondary guy who um appears as like her once fiance who like swindled oh, he's the like money the wealthiest of them all yeah he and like his backstory is that he was always he was really wealthy and then his dad was tricked into giving up some of his wealth so then they immigrated to like england and then he like wanted to take revenge on the person who like swindled his dad and i'm like that is not a backstory like that is like just so <laughs> absurd it's like literally bonkers um i was like so disinterested <laughs> in him and i and like that romance with our lead male characters yeah like whatever arranged like fiance whatever (laughs) um it just was like such a yeah i just like wasn't into it i kind of like started to get more into it a little bit later on but i think it's just because he's so obnoxiously wealthy (sighs) Like, in such an excessive way. And, like, he, you know, like, we basically are introduced to him because he's kind of like a criminal, right? Like, and he has to, like, leave. Um, he has to go into hiding. So he, like, pay, he just, like, pays up the wazoo to some service that, like, hides him in North Korea at this, like, very expensive fancy house. And he just, like, pays, like, millions of dollars or whatever every day to be kind of hidden until 
whoever's looking for him doesn't look for him anymore. Um, and his like, re like basically one of the reasons that he like proposes again to our lead character is that he's just like, look, I have the wealth to like get you out of here. Basically. Like that's, that's, that's the only way out of North Korea is like through more wealth. (laughs) And I was like, I was sort of interested in him as a criminal. I was like, Oh, like what is the backstory? And then when the backstory was just like, he used to be, he's always pretty much been wealthy, but he used to be more wealthy and like it was (laughs) some kind of problem. And so he felt like he had to, have vengeance upon his father it's like this is not a thing but then after you brought up like the christian overtones i just was like oh yeah there we never interacted with anyone who wasn't who wasn't a billionaire honestly like that's kind of like the the, i mean he was kind of like aristocracy and then sort of just became a billionaire (laughs) you're like Okay, yeah, I so that's, that's the spectrum of wealth, and, I guess. We're and working so then with it's you. like, I guess you are a criminal in that, like, we should criminalize that kind of wealth, and <laughs> then you're all fucking you're correct. Yeah, that's correct. correct. Like you're correct, but yeah. So like the the kind of purity um, overtones throughout, where like yeah. they don't even have an opportunity to do things because they're running away and not getting killed and so when are they going to have sex like it's unclear and And the woman that he falls in love with ends up like being like well I love him and he died and so I will be single forever (laughs) she's like I'm married to my cello and that's it like there's a purity narrative for you I was so confused I was like you play the cello like when did that happen (laughs) It's like all these bougie people, all these like bougie North Koreans driving their fancy cars, going like abroad. She goes, she goes to Russia to study music. Yeah, her mom owns a department store, like a mall in North Korea. Like she's a fucking Romanov. Yeah. Like I don't even understand. It's all these wealthy people, and then it's the the kind of mark between. North Korea and South Korea and the resurrection. I mean, there's no way to really read this other than through the lens of a kind of almost, you know, it's, it's so like classically um, Christianity and capitalism, the kind oh, of yeah. fusion of Christianity, like what makes the, the them work so well together is emphasized in this drama and then the thing that i wanted to say that i think we can talk about as we talk about the last episode and then all of their um the interactions in south korea is that and this just occurred to me because you were talking about christian the the christian overtone of the series is that if we're thinking about her resurrection and how the show interacts with North Korea, her interaction with North Korea doesn't become a kind of meditation on any forms of socialism, communism, Marxism, so forth. Not that I'm saying this because I advocate for the communism of North Korea, but just saying if we're just kind of putting out that part of who she is in like episodes one through six or one through seven is 
someone who is at least introduced to ideas of non-hierarchical structures and mm. a kind of communal effort um you know just like non-capitalist discourse like or uh a not change or like like the fact that like you can't have the kinds of hyper commodity fetishisms um it's it, what she brings back is not any of this it's not a critique of capitalism which like on the very kind of simplistic level it could be that the, your interactions with these forms become a critique of capitalism she comes mm. back without the critique she comes back as a reformist of of capitalism in order to humanize capitalism because what she thinks that she's learned in her resurrection is that one must sometimes eat with one's workers right not become a worker but eat with the workers sometimes and that maybe the weekends belong to them which is i think a really your question of which is more evil i think that what she comes back at as is a neoliberal capitalist yeah you know like that's the resurrection you go from brunt force to affective labor being both something that everyone actually performs everyone from the ceo to the employees right are we're all now performing affective labor for free but it's demanded of us and then what we come to find out is her philanthropic efforts so the money that oh, she yes. has the philanthropic efforts absolutely yes. the money that she has will now be channeled to the causes that her lover in north korea cares about music for children who are not wealthy so that they too <laughs> can play classical music in switzerland right so it's not like she's just buying uh, you like ostentatious jewelry and paintings which all we interact with those items like her her apartment is full of you know what is considered only excess and gaudy and we'll talk later about how impossible it would be for us to reconstruct her outfits on 100%. Poshmark because it turns out it's near impossible but <laughs> Yeah, so like the reformist gesture is that she becomes a neoliberal capitalist through affective labor and philanthropy, which is actually about this very current moment. So then reunification with a place like North Korea is not about a critique of capitalism or any kind of even reformist gesture of capitalism. It's about a heightening of and a taking more deeply in gratitude of the ways in which capitalism can work for you. Oh my God. So dark. So that's dark. Oh, so right. You are, you are always so right. <laughs> you are always so right. This is you, Kim. I'm like so bummed out right now because honestly, what you're pointing out is that there's nothing to choose. The yeah. question of what is more evil is necessary and there is no choice. Do you want someone? who works you over the weekends and holidays? Do you want someone who eats chicken with you and doesn't work you over the holidays? Yeah, she never at any point says, let's work less. <laughs> <laughs> like, let's stop working. Like, I think that, you know, it's, I think that there's also something in here about a kind of um, fetishization or like capitalization of like emotion mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. as well. Like, because she, um, you know, in North Korea, she, like, when she first arrives, right, like, she's, like, she's not an emotional person necessarily. Absolutely. She's dramatic, but she's not, like, emotional. And she's kind of, because she's, like, so hardened. Um, but part of her, like, resurrection is about her actually like coming to terms with some sort of like I have feelings I can love I can care about these things but I actually think that it is like it becomes like even darker right because then you go you go back home and like within this narrative of capitalism it's like you actually just then like manipulate the emotion right like you it's not it's not simply that you like are someone that becomes empathetic mm. and starts to feel. Um, you're someone that actually, in a really gross way, is able to manipulate emotions in actually a more sophisticated way. Yes. Somehow, like which I think maybe is related to this idea of like humanization versus like dehumanization or exactly. something. Exactly. Where exactly. she suddenly thinks about these people, and it's like, I, you know, like I like. It probably brings you joy, right? That I'm like having lunch with you. But yeah, no, I think that this is such an important point because when we when we're saying, do you want a boss who works you over the weekend or do you want a boss who eats chicken with you and lets you have some weekends off? I it, the maybe the me- immediate choice is oh, you want some you would rather take some holidays and have a boss who doesn't blatantly disrespect you. However, mm-hmm you still so like this the situation too the reformist neoliberal gesture actually makes fighting all that more confusing and impossible and that's what you're talking about Mm -hmm. the manipulation actually makes it unclear like you you start it's like a process of gaslighting where like Mm -hmm. you are really literally unclear as to what is happening and since some things are couched in kindness or it's couched in, oh, it's because we care about you. Yes. I do think that this is a way in which like a defanging is supposed to happen. Yes. yes. But then the question is, is like through all of this, do you start, you yourself starts, you start to really believe you enjoy working? You enjoy yes. it? So maybe you do it a little bit more because you're a part of the family or you're a part of the friendship group or what have you i mean and care is actually a type of ownership exactly it's like you know and i think that that's like oh you care about us it's like you own me like that's what it is and like the level of ownership of what you understand as initially being like transactional like financially transactional Mm -hmm. is now also emotionally transactional you know where like Yes, now she also possesses your lunchtime. Now she possesses your time after work as well because she cares about you. Yes. But it's like she owns that time just as much as she owns your then your emotional labor that has to go into having meals with her. Right. And all of these things. And it's like I think that there's something that's just like so deeply insidious so about insidious. this. You yes. know, that we are just like, isn't this great? Like, it's so great. It's like, you still employ your friends. Like, that's that's what's happening. Your friends, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. You know? And I think that that is like, 
so I think that's like one of the darker things about the show. It, no, it's it's like it's like you still employ your friends, quote unquote, aka your f- understanding your friendship. Yeah, you define it ex- as friends. Yeah, <laughs> it, your understanding of friendship is exploitation and yes. a fundamental manipulation of that person's time, labor, and interiority, yes. so that they believe that reciprocity is their willingness to work for you and spend time yes. with you, which is actually so man- so deeply manipulative. It's and really so dark. cruel. It's literally cruel. Because let's yeah. be honest, if this, this is real life. Like, this is the most realistic thing about the show, that uh, the CEO or upper management believes that the humanization of... Uh, critiques that the institution has received is going to be addressed through philanthropy and Mm -hmm. some affective labor like that is literally the most realistic thing about this show um Mm -hmm. it that is nothing like it is not a thing these are not gestures and Mm -hmm. this is a kind of and if you refuse the crumbs then you are ungrateful and if you accept the crumbs then you have become what others might call complicit so there's no choice there's literally nothing to choose and that is what's really insidious yes welcome welcome, <laughs> welcome planet earth before the welcome, pandemic welcome to planet earth and the trash bag she came in on <laughs> oh we still loved watching the show, you know. Great, great. One of the best series that we've seen in a One long of the time. Best, so entertaining, great style, you know. And like all of this is contradictory, but this is hey, Mark said it too. Like this whole thing is just like a basket full of contradictions exploding in your face, and that's like, and you know, like I don't know. I just feel like. It should just be stated that we say this from a from a place where we're like, okay, this is this was deeply entertaining and so problematic and problematic isn't even the right word. It's like it was so manipulative. Yeah, so manipulative. Well, and I'm not going to say it was like eye opening, but I think it's one of those things where I'm like, these are the kinds of narratives because they're also so seductive and palatable Mm. that it like normalizes these kinds of conditions for us because we watch these kinds of shows and we are just like amazing this is a happy ending you know and then you're like wait a minute (laughs) yeah it's so seductive and I do think that the kind of exploitation and romance and romance I don't necessarily just mean romance like romance the the kind of love that's supposed to happen between the main main characters but the kind the the affective labor that you laid out between her and her quote-unquote friends that kind of exploitation and romance is like part of what keeps i think that's what makes neoliberal capitalism so difficult to dismantle to critique because it's shifting it's like it's all about the ways in which like the affective individual or self is supposed to be is being controlled really like that's the only way yeah like I don't want to say that word and at the same time like that is what we witness throughout yeah I mean 
I guess, well, yeah, I'm like, I don't know if we ever, there's no way out of it too. Like, I don't think that like the end of the series provides any kind of opening for critique of that. You know, I do think that like, there's a moment at the end when she goes to Switzerland or something and it's like the greatest gesture is basically that because she is distracted by her own romance, she provides autonomy for her staff to sustain like her corporation while she's gone and like working her North Korean lover for two weeks. Like that's like kind of like the only moment of being like, I trust you. (laughs) Oh my God. And like, Oh my God, Kim, you're so right because, and the gesture of you can answer emails and make decisions on your own. Your autonomy is my gift to you. Like it's not, it's like a privilege (laughs) that you earned because I like you and you've been doing well. Like, so it's not like um, you were clearly functional adults and it is what it is. And I'm going to go on vacation now. So, you know, yellow, like it's like going to Switzerland. (laughs) She's going to, it's like, she's going to go to Switzerland. It's like over explained really that like, not only is she going to Switzerland to do this thing and complete the Christian purity circle of like, who knows what they do there for two weeks. Right. It's It's mostly standing in a field holding flowers. (laughs) It's like as chaste as you can get. Like, <laughs> but that we, the backstory of how she's able to go is because she's become emotionally mature enough to let the very people who have, who are trained to do their jobs, do their goddamn jobs. <sighs> yes. Yes. Is she not super mature and generous? God, we hate jobs. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe this is a good segue into talking about her family. Oh, yes. Who, I mean, jobs have ruined that family. Like nobody's business. And by by jobs, I think that, that like it's like titles. Like titles, yes. because it's really, I don't think it, none of them work. And like yeah. what she does is not a job. What she does is she is just, she micromanages. That It doesn't yeah. seem like she does anything but micromanage. She's like, it's I, like Downton Abbey. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like they're like, have jobs. Their job is to kind of exist and employ people, but not actually do work, you know? Mm hmm. And that is the rest of her family. They just, they are competing for a title that they are not that good at because we learn earlier on that the doofus brother is horrible at the job that he has. Um, Was he the one who had like legal troubles or some kind of like public PR incident? It's some, or some combination, just like. Yeah, I can't remember. It's like the murderous brother lost a bunch of money. And ma- no, that's no. the rich dude the rich british dude that stole the money back yes oh apparently but then they 
the Ding Dong brother. I think he had a union PR problem, which is maybe mm. the one entryway into interesting. Yes, so I think that there in his so like she has her own cosmetics corporation or department store. It's like a like miscellaneous women's things corporation. It seems like. Um, where they make parish paragliding gear and also cosmetics, right? A robust corporation. Robust. She's thorough. The bitch is thorough. That's for sure. <laughs> um, and her father has another corporation, which is just a ginormous conglomerate of things that are never very, it's never specified. I actually have no idea what that business is. But it's, pretty much insinuated that it is a bigger company because she too wants this job she too wants to be ceo of this other bigger is it real estate i just always assume it's property (laughs) that's a good call let's just make some stuff up let's just say it's a combination of real estate and burning down the Amazon forest for beef yes. or something. It's like the Somebody's worst. Somebody's got to die. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> it's like horrible upon horrible. So, <laughs> so yeah, I think that the the, sec- the the second to oldest brother, we'll call him number two. He has like the he was swindled, <laughs> and then yes. the older brother, the oldest brother. I think that there was like a PR union problem, if I'm re- remembering correctly, and he just. And my PR union, I think he just actually flipped out on them and caused a scene. And so it wasn't something like there was a problem and he didn't deal with it correctly. It's just he was the problem. Like, I'm sure this company, just like her company, they're perpetually having union issues. Like all companies are, as we currently understand, you know, look into you, Trader Joe's. And all, yeah, like it's it's not like so that is the backdrop. So they're not good at what they do. She is supposedly good because she doesn't let at this point have any time off, uh, so she can at least make her corporation run. Mm -hmm. Okay, something. Mm -hmm. Yes, I. Okay, so in the end. Spoiler alert. Um, the murderous brother goes to jail and, you know, is caught for him and his murderous, extra murderous wife <laughs> um, for all their crazy shenanigans. Um, but then the company, the company does not then go to mm. our lead character. No. Um it like goes to the ding dong brother because they basically convince him that he can just like, like be in that again, just the title and then just hire people to actually do the job properly. Why, why does she not? I think it's, it's insinuated that it's because she's a, she was resurrected and Mm. reformed to maybe this is where like, yeah, like maybe this is where it's like neoliberal and definitely misogynistic or patriarchal, but not that like I want a woman CEO, but I do think it's like Ugh. her love like lessens her ambitions or something. So she's no longer just vi she's not like competing for this position 
that she like the way that she was because she's now doing things like setting up charities something that apparently she didn't do before so she can go hang out with her lover um which is not something that other people are doing essentially um but yeah like they said all three all three of them want a job that we could just say they're not good at like she's not really (laughs) good at her job no, because she doesn't do a job. She she micromanages, and yeah. the the two of them are not good at their jobs because they've they, never had jobs. They never <laughs> had jobs, and they don't actually know how to let the people who have jobs do their jobs. So they're none of them are good at jobs because they actually don't know, you know. Well, and it's actually fascinating when you think about um, their wives. So, like her sisters in law. Um where, you know, the murderous brother is married to a powerful, she came from a powerful family. Um, uh, Her father is, like, connected to the police. I think he's, like, some right. kind of up, upper police person or has power over, like, state power, you know, some, some right. kind of upper management in the police system. Yeah. Right. Yes. Because there's definitely, like, a whole thing about, um, you know, that her leveraging her connections and her status in order to, like, also make his bid um, for this title to be more appealing. Mm -hmm. She's like, oh, like, so-and-so, like, my family's connections will bring in these people, i.e. this wealth, Mm -hmm. to your company. Um, But it's like... It's also throughout the series, it's like very obvious that she is like the one pulling all the strings because he's like too stupid to really know what to do, you know, and she constantly has to explain to him how to be a better criminal, basically, you know, where it's like, what are you doing? Like, why are you like chasing this person? You should be getting ahead of the game. Why are you doing this? We should for sure just kill that person. You know, like she just like takes charge. Um, And it's just like super fascinating because she just like wants to be his wife or whatever, but she's, you know, crazy power hungry. Um, And I think that like in the way that they just do in these like misogynistic relationships, when it comes out that, you know, they're like this like murdering duo or whatever, he like sells her out immediately being like, she did it. She's the mastermind behind all of this. It doesn't save him. Um, but then the other brother, the Ding Dong's wife, you know, she's also kind of a Ding Dong too, but she is more of like the emotional manipulation type, you know, mm. like she doesn't have the same kind of like um, financial sort of, I, not that she, I, she obviously comes from money, but it's not that she's like wielding these like power connections in the same kind of way. Instead, she's using more of this like, again kind of like a there's like a prayer group or something that she's like a part of or something right that like she's like please pray for um like basically that my husband gets this title but she also exists as a as a way to just kind of supply his ego with strokes she's always like oh yeah oh yeah this would be perfect for you like and she just like affirms all of his like ding dong like you know, like absolutely, like uh, she's like an enabler in like a way in which like she literally exists to enable. I mean, he like looks to her for affirmation, and she like gives it. Versus- oh, and then like, but she's also like sent out to sort of like try to 
do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Like it's also like her skill set or something, right? Where she'll go and like talk to one of the parents and try to like do the same kind of like ego stroking or mm-hmm. the same sort of, um, you know, tactic of being like, you're just so amazing and you're so brilliant. And why would someone like you like have someone like this as a daughter? And like, you know, like, and then, and like trying to tap in, I, I don't think she's like an incredibly intelligent person, but I do think that there's like, different strategies at play by these like two wives that are happening. So what you're saying is they're actually doing some labor. (laughs) A hundred percent. Versus. Because the sons are total, like they're not good. Like they don't, I mean, the murderous brother, I guess is doing some stuff, but he's also just like yelling and kind of like flipping out being like, well, what are your ideas? And you know, and then she's like, you're at an eleven. And I need you to be at a four right now because we're just going to hire these Chinese men to kill her. It's fine. And then he's like, okay. <laughs> you know, like, and, and then like, it's the same thing where it's like the ding dong is just like, Oh my God. I'm like, why was this happening? Like, this is so stressful. And she's like, it's because you're so brilliant. And like, they both just have like these rules. It's, it's really exhausting. It's, it's actually exhausting. like super exhausting yeah. and kind of like, like to think about these sorts of like misogynistic heteronormative relationships that you're like, Ugh. God, you're like hetero, like straight women. I'm like, this is sad. <laughs> like, it's, like, it's a sad world out there for us. Like, I I just feel like like these are the husbands. <laughs> yeah, the, you you get like you get your choice of the ambitiously um, just unintelligent like rapacious like you know vapid insipid but like has never had a thought in uh, in his life yeah dude or in which like your contribution to the relationship is that you have to do all of the labor and you will be receive only the credit if it doesn't go his way yeah or you can just be a cheerleader to your ding dongs ambitions and desires and then you die so take your pick and then you die or you can um go to north korea uh eat some potatoes be reformed and resurrect as a neoliberal capitalist set up a foundation and go to switzerland a few weeks out of the year and have lunch with your employees Okay, but you get a lover and you get, you know, you get to keep your apartment and um, you're not incarcerated. So, you know, like the options are clear. It's like you get to be, it's like a, it's like a proto white feminist, like (laughs) fantasy or something like, look, we can do benevolent neoliberal capitalism. This is how it's going to work out. Okay. (laughs) You lean into it. You set up a philanthropy. You find a lover who wants to meet you just a few weeks out of the year. You go away. You learn how to micromanage a little bit less, but still micromanage, you know, it'll, it'll work out. It is a true neoliberal dream. (laughs) To have, like, a partner that you only see two weeks out of the year that yeah. somehow remains devoted to you throughout the but rest that of the year. You, that you, like, don't have to give any more beyond that. Look, but, like, I do think that this is... I do think part of what's really fascinating about our culture, and I mean our culture, like, 
the global culture of neoliberal capitalism is that as much as single households are on the rise and as much as we talk about kind of people not being coupled or people not being in relationships, it is still very much a thing that you don't want to seem like uh, you, you seem kind of like a robot if you're not interacting and in that on that kind of level, like it's another kind of thing on the hill that you have to kind of do. And even if nobody else knows that she has a secret lover who she hangs out with in Switzerland, it's like she knows. So it's like it's a part of the subject formation in neoliberal capitalism. Like it's like she knows. She believes that she's in she has like an emotional relationship with this guy. And she believes that she's reformed her life and like she has different life priorities because of him. She will run her company differently because of this relationship. Doesn't really matter that like the material conditions are like basically set up that she's essentially she has a, a I don't even know what to call him. Like a standardized fuck buddy that she meets up with. Like, who, who I knows? think it's a bodyguard that she helps. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know. This is my favorite episode ever. Oh my God, Kim. Why are you such a genius? A bodyguard. She doesn't even have to see that often. She no. never has to. No one has to meet anyone's emotional needs. 300 and something. And he days. stays fit. Yeah. It's part of his job. Yeah. <laughs> what she, you know, all she has to do to keep the bodyguard is to continue to run her corporation so that she can continue to run the philanthropy. Right. It's all intertwined. Like the love, like the love story really reinforces all of her life decisions. Yeah. I mean, now that we're on the topic of the love story, I guess we could talk about. It, like, what kind of love is this? <laughs> okay, but before we move on, I just want to say, because I feel like I distracted us from the discussion of her family. Oh, right. Um, you know, and we can move on entirely. But I mean, I did think that it was maybe really useful as a, if this, maybe this is the entry point to the critique of capitalism, that there are, we meet three people, her, her ding-dong brother number one, her murderous brother number two, who want a job that and it has nothing to do with the work of the job it just has everything to do with their desire for power and mm -hmm. they have a lot of power it's not like they yes. are three powerless individuals who have who will actually lose something if they are unable to attain more power it's like this is symbolic they're all wealthy they all don't work but they want this thing and it's made real like it's like their desperations are made real and we're supposed to be like of course she should get it because she micromanages her employees and doesn't let them take vacation you know like of course she should get it but like really none of the so this is like this is not about merit like this is like it's about kind of the fantasy production of you know um Power. The deserving billionaire? Yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Like, who is a more deserving billionaire, you know? Like, take take your pick out of the three. I mean, as you were talking, I was trying to think about, I was like, who in this show doesn't want power? 
who in the show doesn't already have power? Like, is there any character that... I think her, I think that the soldiers from North Korea who are supposed to be kind of like the characters, the side characters that hang out with Snow White, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe, but even then it's a if iffy. I mean, I think the youngest one. Yes. Probably, you know, like, because it seems as though he's like super young and like misses his family and he is not like allowed to see them. Yes. And there's something, you know, there, of course. There's also that other one that doesn't talk a lot. That's like, everyone's always saying is so handsome. And I did, I started to distract from this conversation again. Do you know if he is like a famous model that is like an actor, but like, like a model first then became an actor? Because he doesn't really talk very much at all. Like he has very few lines. But they just, like, talk about how he's, like, super handsome all the time. And I'm just like, is he just, like, famous for being handsome and doesn't actually act? <laughs> I wasn't sure. I actually feel like he must be. But, you know, I don't know off the top of my head. And I feel We're going like... to have to consult our only man on the ground. <laughs> yeah, we are going to have to consult the WWW systems to figure this out. But it's pretty clear he's a famous person elsewhere you know and that this is just kind of this was a this was a side job for his fans for him to just appear sometimes and every time they actually talked about him being good looking he became a little less good looking honestly to me I was like I'm losing I lost I was not interested and I am just losing interest in how the only line he really gets is him like humble bragging that someone said he was good looking or someone being like, wow, you're good looking and him just kind of nodding his head. Well, she actually, it's kind of like this great shade where right before I think the first, her first attempt at escape and she gives all of them like these like prizes or something and they get to pick which one they want. Like after the like reunification, like um, you get like, I can't remember what it was. Like, it was like, you get this thing, or right now, you can get, like, a kiss from me or something. Oh, no, she literally was like, you could have, like, hundreds of thousands of, you know, one, which is, like... Yeah, like, you get, like, a bunch of money, or, like, you can get, like, a kiss on the cheek for me now. Yeah. And then he's like, I choose neither. And, And she's like, oh. Like, basically, like, pretty boys, like, in North Korea are the same as pretty boys in South Korea. I see like you think you're too good i understand what's happening here you're so right i totally forgot about that scene so those are like the only lines he has where he was like i choose neither slash somebody asked me to be a model (laughs) what does that mean like what does that mean you know so i guess that's power (laughs) that i mean yeah i think that i think that the the thing is is that the few characters we might run into like the life insurance person maybe yeah you know he doesn't well and that's why he like searches for her right yeah because he's like i'm gonna lose my job yes that's like that's what it is and then then it becomes very personal because he becomes very invested in it but again it's like because of job precarity it's not like because he was like 
but I love, I love her. She's like my friend. It's like, he's like, Oh my God. Like it's, it's initially out of a kind of self-preservation. No, I think it's very clear. She doesn't have any friends who look for her. Yes. Also true. (laughs) Actually, we don't even meet any of her friends in South Korea. Like we meet zero. Yeah. We just meet dudes that she dates briefly (laughs) and they all look like real cheesy and idiotic. (laughs) It's like, like, her life is so vapid and crazy. It's, it's kind of amazing. But her outfits are pretty, pretty on point. Perfect. Yeah. Excellent. Oh, yes. Okay, so to return, what kind of love is this? Yes. What kind of love is this? You know, because not only is it, it's, I mean, you know, there's not a lot of physical stuff happening, but there is, like, they have really good chemistry, I would say like overall I was like into all of their like intense emotional sorts of you know whatever she cries all the time all the time he he is kind of like silent and stares at her but just kind of has these like eyes of like you know that look sort of you know sullen all the time um but they do have this like great like you can just you can tell that they're like quite fond of each other. They they're both they're, like, really good actors, which is not what we could say. With this, unlike One Spring Night, they're both great actors. Ben is a good actor. Like he he's a very good actor. Doesn't he's Mister Strong Silent type? You know, yeah. real serious Korean Strong Silent type, Asian Strong Silent type, like. Yeah. Man a few words works out yeah. a lot, you know. Yes. Hyper masculine. Very say, important role to play. You know, never had a girlfriend before her. I mean, like real, like this is like some yeah. deep, deeply repressed his emotions. Yeah. Played the piano at some point, then repressed his emotions again, you know. Yeah. Um, so his gestures of love all come in the form of, I don't want to take a picture with you, but I will save your life again and again and again. And yes. like, I will lie to your face to protect you, but then I'll show up and get shot protecting you. So it's it's like um, completely not verbal until the strange text messages begin, which, you know, we're That's running true. out of time, but we kind of should at least touch on that before um, yes. our episode ends. But yeah, he doesn't say very much. And the things he says almost are not supposed to be true. Right. Like at least in the beginning. And he's just kind of like supposed to be the man of action. Like he will take action. But like, do we find his love like that kind of overprotection? Do we find it attractive? No. Or do we find it like (laughs) infantilizing, like immature? um, Yeah. Like, she's into it, though. Like, she's, she's like, super into it. Like, when she goes into the hospital and he's just, like, doesn't even let her sit up, you know, without, like, he's like, let me help you. Let me do this. Let me do this. Let me do this. And she's just like, oh, mm, I love this. And it's, like, it's just kind of like a re-performance of the people that she employs. (laughs) But don't you think that this is why the backstory of, her mother abandoning her in the ocean, her feeling oh, so yeah. abandoned. Like, her fear of abandonment is made really explicit. And his desire to overprotect her really does, like, 
it it's I think that that's part of the explanation that we're supposed to receive that she's now meeting for the first time in her life someone who's not interested in abandoning her and calling it love but someone who's willing to just constantly protect her which is supposed to be the opposite of abandonment I don't know yeah you know um, yeah and oh, this- that is so true well and he's on this whole like revenge narrative thing mm-hmm. so of course he is like hyper protective of someone he loves because he lost his brother and is like I did not save my brother I could not protect my brother oh my god so he like has a deep-seated fear of loss yes and she has a deep-seated fear of abandonment they are (laughs) oh my god they're a match made it's the perfect love we just solved it it's the perfect love it's the perfect codependent love (laughs) it's a perfect codependent love that and and this is to clarify that we're not saying that love is independent okay like <laughs> that like hyper individualism is what makes love don't get it twisted everyone that is not what we said but neither did we say that um strong silent overprotection of person who's like residual childhood traumas have been not resolved is also love. Like, we're saying neither. Like, we say no to both, just like we're saying no to the question, who, what is more evil? No idea. You know? No clue. This is just a classic Christian story <laughs> of two damaged billionaires, you know? <laughs> right. It's the just most... Need to come back and find each other so that they can both do their jobs well oh my gosh kim it is the fantasy it's the south korean fantasy of reunification (laughs) that it because it's a meeting of billionaires and that people work out their residual childhood traumas not for not through a critique of capitalism but through the kind of manipulative forces of neoliberal capitalism and philanthropies will be set up in the process. Is the Korean name for the show actually the benevolent billionaire? (laughs) (laughs) You know, I can't read it, so I don't know. Maybe I, (laughs) oh my God. No, this, for this one, it's actually a more direct translation. (laughs) <laughs> Unlike the other one where it was like, has nothing to do with what is something in the rain? Where did rain come from? Like, it's like really confusing how they got that title from the Korean title. But this one is a little bit more, you know, but yeah, yeah that, that would have been it's, perfect. It's funny because I think with that one, I've, I've thought about it before. Where I was like, is like Nuna like that difficult of a concept for you to like find an English equivalent? That you were just like, ugh, just abandon that whole premise. It doesn't make any sense. Like, no one's going to get it. Something in the rain makes no sense. I mean, something in the crumb makes a lot of sense in our lives. (laughs) (laughs) Not anyone else. Oh, no. We suddenly understand. (laughs) (laughs) We have a lot in common with something in the rain, actually. Okay, so we are getting to like, I think, closer to the end-ish. But 
did you want to say anything else about the text messages? Oh, right. Like the fashion. We cannot leave before oh, yes. saying something okay. about the fashion. We'll quickly talk about text messages. The end, in the end, when um, he basically has to go back to North Korea, it's a whole to do. It's a very, very emotional goodbye. Oh, so dramatic. Um, so intense. And, you know, and she's like, we're just like never going to see each other again. I can't believe this. It's like, it's really very sad. There are a lot of police officers and a lot of people with guns and everyone just like is witness to their goodbye. Um, but she goes home and of course, like sees all this evidence of him, like in her apartment, you know, he like, like filled her fridge up with groceries and like left all these little notes for her. <laughs> like everybody she loves works for her. Um, and, <laughs> and, you know, bought her this like plant. And then, um, then she gets like a text message, like in the middle of the night or something. Cause she's, um, an insomniac slash is someone that a hundred percent medicates herself to go to bed. And she starts, like she gets this text message and she's like, how am I getting these text messages? And then, of course, more messages come through, and he's like, I've discovered a way to, like, basically queue up these messages. Um, and so he, like, sends her, I guess, sometime, I don't know when, before he got on his, like, bus to be deported back to North Korea, he's, like, writing a year's worth of text messages for her on his cell phone. And so she gets messages, like, every day multiple times a day telling her to like exercise and like eat water the plant lunch with her employees or not alone not he says not alone and she's like right so with my employees (laughs) that's how she interprets that one and take a walk you know whatever enjoy the sun you know don't be a d-bag or whatever watch this plant grow but we also like don't understand like where these messages are like coming from because it's like he had this like phone from south korea it's like obviously it's confiscated it has like a never-ending battery and (laughs) like like are the police like just being like no problem we will keep this phone for you for a year so it continues to send text messages to your lover here (laughs) and like what is that do we understand how this is happening no but and i think like this is where the seriousness of the division between the north and the south it's made light pretty consistently throughout the show and but like it is so serious that they literally cannot communicate yeah if like as in like people who've been separated by the border cannot communicate and this is what he's come up with is he has maybe said like a combined total of 20 lines through 16 episodes and all of a sudden he wrote like 365 text messages or something and programmed it into this never-ending cell phone battery because this is how this is how serious one has to be if there's going to be because there's going to be the communication is a blackout yeah so okay so at the end at the end of these this year long of text messages it's like a whole year they've been apart it's like a one-sided communication you know, where he's just, like, texting her these messages. At the end, he's like, let's, like, meet in Switzerland again. You know? And (laughs) here's the thing that, like, we both, like, don't understand, right? Where it's like, if they could just meet up in Switzerland, 
what is the big deal? Why was this whole thing about like, we'll be apart forever. Like she can go to Switzerland whenever she wants. You know, he's got obviously more of an elaborate scheme thing going on that he has to figure out. But my question is, so he's like, let's just meet in Switzerland. So then she's like, you know, obviously like, okay. And then like, she then just comes up with this like elaborate plan, which includes the philanthropic component of her like resurrection, right? Where she's like, I'm inventing this charity. And then, you know, we're going to do this thing. And that like forces me to go to Switzerland um, under the guise of like my company's philanthropy or whatever. Um, And then she does that for like two more years or something. And then they finally cross paths again on the mountain or whatever. But like, I just don't understand because I'm like, you both were already in Switzerland. Like, why didn't he just say, hey, let's meet in Switzerland, like, the first of a month, like, at whatever, that damn bridge that you nearly killed yourself or something. Like, it's like, pick a pick a spot that you both were there and just, like, say it instead of just, like, being, like, the universe, which also feels kind of Christian, too, where it's totally. like, God will bring us together. <laughs> like, just be practical. <sighs> just say, like, this train station this train station is where I will meet you. And then she could just like go there at some point. I just don't understand. I mean, at this point, maybe this is unreasonable. (laughs) No, it's not unreasonable. How dare you, Kim? You are not unreasonable. (laughs) The show has been unreasonable and we watched all the episodes, but it is not you. We really did. (laughs) We watched all of the episodes. I have no, I have no answers. I also don't, as you were saying, all of this, I was like, I don't know why he didn't open up with, these are all of the ways we can meet up in Switzerland. <laughs> if I can, text number one is like, hey, I put some groceries in your refrigerator. Um, let's try to meet up in Switzerland next month. If I'm not there, I'll try to come this other month. And then yeah. like 365 messages about how you guys are going to meet up rather than, but like that would be like an atheist show, right? That's or like true. an atheist neoliberal capitalist show this is like christian so they're like we were meant to be together we're soulmates and um, you just like we just need to be better people we need to be good people yes and if you just spend this year being a good person we will for sure meet up again absolutely absolutely i believe with all of my heart which is literally not how your wealth accumulated but nevertheless, why don't you believe that that's the, that's the narrative? And then we can just move forward that way. Okay, so speaking of her wealth, yes, Kim found a website that located all of her outfits when she was in South Korea because there were some cute tops. And, we were and like, North Korea. And North Korea. But we were like, where are these tops from? And do you want to give the report, Kim? Look. There's no chance that any of these original items are on Poshmark. I'm sorry to say, I hate to disappoint all of you secondary market fans. We were disappointed, yeah. Everything is just like Balenciaga, fucking Chanel. <laughs> like, like, we're not even talking like Atelier. We're not talking boutique. We're talking like full on like Couture. fashion. Yeah, yeah. Like, it is... It is like, yeah, thousands of dollars. It's her yeah. entire wardrobe in South Korea. Um, 
her wardrobe in North Korea is also shockingly expensive considering she's supposed to look kind of homely and covered in knits but all of her knits are like minimum five hundred dollars minimum and some of them are like a thousand or something but she does however in north korea because she's slumming it she does wear stuff from like reformation sometimes (laughs) oh i didn't know that some of it was reformation yeah because there's like i think it's because reformation has a bit of like a 90s vibe so they're also trying to indicate a kind of like out of timeness i think in north korea so sometimes she wears like these like shirts with almost like these like baby doll but like long you know like the skinny straps or like these kinds of like or like like almost like daisy flower like kind of or the ditzy print is that what they call it like she wears some of that kind of stuff sometimes but like layered up and those are like actually reformation I had no idea. North in North Korea, Reformation. You've infiltrated. Which you there. would never put those two things together. Let me tell you. Wow, wow, that is fascinating. This is yeah. the dress that I thought was really, really pretty. This is the one that what, what was it like Givenchy or something? Yeah, like? this was like a Givenchy. I was like, never mind, Kim. Like, I was like, Kim, do you think I can find that on Poshmark? And then I was like, never mind. Yeah, I was like, mm, deaf no. I'm like, this thing is like $10,000. <laughs> oh, to be clear, this is, she's like wearing a dress while she receives a plant. So she's just in her house opening yeah. the door to get the mail. So how was I wearing supposed like to? Wearing like a gown. Yeah. She's like a gown. <laughs> how, how was I supposed to know that like the, 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 the random dress that you wear at home when you open the door is, like, going to be that. Anyway. It's not Reformation. <laughs> I was like, is that Reformation? Because they're on the secondary market all the time. <laughs> like, Def not. Um, but, you know, her earrings, a lot of her earrings are weirdly Swarovski. Mm. Is that product um, placement? For sure. Yeah. yeah. Product placement. Um, which is like, I'm like, that seems off-brand. 100%. This is the scene where she's listing her like things that she loves, and it's basically just like stocks, investments, like you know, <laughs> her company, and then like the fifth one is like the dude, you know. <laughs> it's hey. just like money, 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 money. My job, this guy. <laughs> like, it's on point. It's on. It's on brand. Like. You spend the, most of your time, most of the year making money, and then you take a two-week vacation to see your dude. I have to also say, we're getting a shot of his tomato plant here. Tomato plants under, like, you know, most, like, hot conditions are just, like, they're just ribbing it out. Like, that plant should be way bigger by now. <laughs> we, I just feel... I feel like we're particularly sensitive to this because of the pandemic and because <laughs> all of the vegetables I've consumed in the last two weeks have come directly from my neighbor's garden. And so yeah. I'm like desperate for the celery to grow, for the neighbor not next to me, but the one across to gift someone else some grapefruit so I can have it. So I'm like, everyone, what's happening in the garden? What's happening? I need a status update. As you're like spooning more spirulina into a cup. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
pandemic <sighs> life is yes it's you know it's definitely it's definitely bleak it's definitely like that sad tomato plant <laughs> three cherry tomatoes after six months <laughs> Of, of like rigorous military style watering and like <laughs> they're always working on those water pipes it's crazy um, um but we yeah. should come to a close unless you have other things that you want to say no i think we covered we covered all the so much i'm so impressed with us if i could just compliment us at the very end you know like a proper asian maybe <laughs> I also um, I'm bringing you some virtual mandarins as as also a preparation would do. Thank you, thank you. I was this. I really, really think we did a an amazing job with crash landing on you. And yeah, should we tell them about? Yeah, our yeah. Do you want to do you want to tell them and introduce our, them? our next few episodes? Um, we're really gonna delve into aliens, <laughs> alien theme shows. Um, our next series will be well, it's I think it's called My Love from the Star, mm-hmm. but then sometimes it's called My Love from Another Star, yeah, um, depending on the translation. But it's about a very, very, very handsome 400 year old alien. <laughs> who's been on earth for in like an obscene amount of time and then falls in love with uh, a Korean actress who's kind of a mess. Yes. Spoiler okay. alert, they're both virgins. True. True. Speaking kind of, of Christianity. Yeah. <laughs> kind of becomes a kind of becomes like an important plot point, you know. Just yes. like but the next few that we're going to talk about will involve alien aliens, I guess. Like we're going to talk about Roswell after that, which will be our first kind of non-Korean show. But we'll talk about non-Korean shows, you know. We watch them sometimes. So, <laughs> But we thought that it would be a good way for us to talk about not just capitalism, which we will always yes. return to, yes. but also... Uh, race more explicitly and immigration and, and, and citizenship and stuff like that. So and forced migration. Forced migration, <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, other, other light topics that are clearly being addressed in all of these issues, yes. Or all, all of these shows. But thank you so much for listening today. Um, don't write us if you don't want to, but write us if you want to. Yeah, and we look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye.